Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chris, and we are continuing into 1 Samuel. We're in 1 Samuel 23 today. Uh, we're kicking it off with a story that might be familiar uh, to a lot of you. Uh, basically, this idea where David is in the same area as Saul, uh, and Saul's not really paying attention. He doesn't know David's there. And so David is able to sneak up behind him, um, w- which could have been a great time to actually sneak up behind him and kill him. David uh, decides instead to cut a piece of his robe off and just declare like, hey, I I had mercy on you. I could have taken this from you. Uh, so this, this is a very interesting story. I think we could probably dive into this a bit. Uh, so as we look over this, Chris, like what do you – what do you notice? Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much going on here. We've got, you know, Saul has been pursuing David for a while, uh, and David is continuing trying to ask God for wisdom in this, uh, but they end up in the same place, and this could be a really interesting confrontation. Of course, David's guys are like, hey, Saul's in there relieving himself. Go take him out. And... Uh, David taking out Saul would not have been strange. I mean, we see that David's a warrior. He he has killed many people, and for him to do this would not be strange and not even wrong, as we were talking about earlier. Uh, you mentioned, Ryan, that like David is God's anointed at this point. He knows he's going to be king, but he is hesitant to take matters into his own hands because he says Saul's still here, and he also was anointed by God. So it's he's kind of this. There's an opportunity, but David doesn't take matters into his own hands. At this, uh, it was just pretty remarkable. This is complex to me because David is not necessarily a guy who's afraid to take things into nope. his own hands. I mean, if you look at this at, at the stories just in today's reading, he has no hesitations about killing people. Yep. He has no hesitations about like sort of I think lashing out like like. Later on, you're going to hear um, in in the reading, uh, Nabal like basically doesn't give him what he wants, and so he's just going to murder all of them. Like, so this is not David is not a man who has hesitations about these things. He he has been anointed. Samuel came and anointed him as king. So when he calls Saul the Lord's anointed, the same is true about David. Mm-hmm. Um, it it it's it's very interesting to me because David has all of the. Um, all of the confirmation that he needs. So you think about times where like, man, I wish I could just hear from God. He has, um, but he does not, he's not going to do this on his own. There's some hesitancy he has into basically, yes, he knows he's heard from God, but he doesn't want to uh, make that happen in it, in his own strength. Yeah. There's like, there's this trust of, okay, somehow this has got to happen, but it's got to be, since God anointed me, he's got to be the one to to make this happen. So, the famous story that we're, you know, we're often very familiar with is that instead of killing him, he creeps up and cuts a little corner of his robe off. And then once Saul leaves the cave, he kind of calls out to him and says, hey, I could have done this. I could have killed you. But instead, I just cut the corner of your robe. And it might seem kind of insignificant, but I think that that was something that was powerful to Saul because the last time uh, when Saul heard this idea about the kingdom is being taken from you. Samuel told him the kingdom is going to be taken from you. And Saul was so frustrated, he grabbed Samuel uh, by the coat and tore a piece of his coat off. And Samuel said, just as you've torn this this coat, your kingdom is going to be torn from you. So here's another illustration for Saul of like, here's somebody holding a piece of a garment that kind of represents 
you're losing the kingdom. And it almost seems like Saul in this moment has a moment of clarity where he gets it because he says, you're a more honorable man than than I am. Surely you are going to become king. So I think in a moment, he has a flashback to this whole tearing of the garment, tearing of the kingdom thing. And he says, yes, David, you're a better man. That revelation doesn't stick with him very long because I think he has a little bit of some mental issues setting in here. But uh, definitely in the moment he got that the kingdom is moving. It's an incredible uh, testament, I think, to David's character, uh, to his faith that he has in in God's plan uh, and his willingness to let that play out in the way that God has planned. I, like, I, I wonder if there were times where David was hiding out somewhere, just like, man, I really should have killed that guy. It, <laughs> I think it's one of those, it's those interesting tension in our life. That, yeah. Like, when do we try to make something happen that we believe that God has promised, but at the same time, we don't want to you know, we don't, you see David not doing that, but at the same time, it's not an inactive thing that is when we have a promise of God or when we're called to do something that like we don't just sit and wait for it to drop out of the sky. So there is this, this tension, but in, in this moment, David seemed to have a clarity that this is crossing the line for me. If I take this into my own hands, this isn't the way it's supposed to be done. Uh, also, he's commanding a sizable army. So he's going to go back to this army and be like, yeah, I, I didn't do it. I mean, I can only imagine those guys were like, are you kidding me? They've been hiding out. <laughs> like, they've been like begging people for food. And David's like, nah, just, it wasn't today. Today's yeah. not the day. Very easily could have had some disgruntled uh, people following him saying, are you serious? How much longer are we going to be in caves when you had that chance? Yeah, it's very interesting. And again, it, it's hard to like, here's what you always do. Because I think that the tension is there that... He knew that he was the next one, but it wasn't the time to do it. I suppose the takeaway for those soldiers, too, is like, okay, there's something significant about the Lord's timing in this. Mm. And so this is a significant moment in David's life, in Saul's life, uh, in Jonathan's life, we see. Uh, but also probably in those soldiers, like the, like these guys that are going to be part of this, this kingdom that's coming. Um, perhaps they walk away with a much higher respect for God's time. Which they would have just come up, come straight out of a couple times when God clearly led them. He told them not to go a certain place. Then another time, it seemed like they were going to get cornered and trapped. But then this rumor came up that the Philistines were attacking and all of a sudden Saul left. So they're definitely seeing God's hand in their everyday lives. And they're definitely, if nothing else, they're sitting around going, well, there's another day that didn't go as we expected. Yeah. <laughs> because it just doesn't seem to be... Uh, clear the natural way to progress. So what does that mean for us? Uh, I guess we just got to keep leaning into God and, and really say, you know, what's right in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of good stuff happening. Yeah, guys, we are definitely enjoying uh, checking out the life of David. And so we hope you tune in tomorrow as we continue pressing into the life of David and some things that we can take away from that as we try to follow God in our in our own lives. So we'll see you tomorrow. See ya. First Samuel chapter 23, starting in verse 13. So David and his men, about 600 of them now, left Kilah and began roaming to the countryside. Word soon reached Saul that David had escaped, so he didn't go to Kilah after all. David now stayed in the strongholds of the wilderness and in the hill country of Ziph. Saul hunted him 
day after day, but God didn't let Saul find him. One day near Horesh, David received the news that Saul was on his way to Ziph to search for him and kill him. Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Don't be afraid, Jonathan reassured him. My father will never find you. You are going to be king of Israel, and I will be next to you. And my father Saul is well aware. So the two of them renewed their solemn pact before the Lord. Then Jonathan returned home while David stayed at Horesh. But now the men of Ziph went to Saul in Gibeah and betrayed David to him. We know where David is hiding, they said. He is in the strongholds of Horesh on the hill of Hekela, which is in the southern part of Jeshimon. Come down wherever, whenever you're ready, O Cain. We will catch him and hand him over to you. The Lord bless you, Saul said. At least someone is concerned about me. Go and check again to be, to be sure he is staying where he is staying and who has seen him there. For I know he is very crafty. Discover his hiding place and come back to where you are. Then I'll go with you. And if he is in the area at all, I'll track him down, even if I have to search every hiding place in Judah. So the men of Ziph returned home ahead of Saul. Meanwhile, David and his men had moved into the wilderness of Mon in the Arabah Valley, south of Jeshimon. When David heard that Saul and his men were searching for him, he went even further into the wilderness to the great rock, and he remained there in the wilderness of Mon. But Saul kept after him in the wilderness. David and Saul were now on opposite sides of a mountain. Just as Saul and his men began to close in on David and his men, an urgent message received Saul, reached Saul that the Philistines were raiding Israel again. So Saul quit chasing David and returned to fight the Philistines. Ever since that time, the place where David was camped has been called the Rock of Escape. David then went to live in the strongholds of Engedi. Psalm 54. Come with great power, O God, and rescue me. Defend me with your might. Listen to my prayer, O God. Pay attention to my plea, for strangers are attacking me. Violent people are trying to kill me. They care nothing for God. But God is my helper. The Lord keeps me alive. May the evil plans of my enemies be turned against them. Do as you promise and put an end to them. I will sacrifice sacrifice a voluntary offering to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. For you have rescued me from my troubles and helped me to triumph over my enemies. First Samuel chapter 24. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of Engedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. He said to the men, The Lord forbid that I should do this to my lord the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained the men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, My lord the king! When Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. Then he shouted to Saul, Why do you listen to the people who say I am trying to harm you? This very day you see with your own eyes it isn't true, for the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said, I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father, at what I have in my hands. It is a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I am not trying to harm you, and I have not sinned against you, even though I have been hunting, even though you have been hunting for me to kill me. May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you are trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. As that old proverb says, from evil people come evil deeds, so you can be sure that I will never harm you. 
who is the king of Israel trying to catch anyway? Should I speak? Should he spend his time chasing one who is as worthless as a dead dog or a single flea? May the Lord therefore judge which of us is right and punish the guilty one. He is my advocate, and I will res- and he will rescue you- me from your power. When David had finished speaking, Saul called back, Is that really you, my son David? Then he began to cry. And he said to David, You are a better man than I am, for you have repaid me good for evil. Yes, you have been amazingly kind to me today, for when the Lord put me in a place where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. Who else would let his enemy get away when he had him in his power? May the Lord reward you well for your kindness you have shown me today. And now I realize that you're surely going to be king and that the kingdom of Israel will flourish under your rule. Now swear to me by the Lord that when this happens, you will not kill my family and destroy my line of descendants. So David promised this to Saul with an oath. Then Saul went home, but David and his men went back to the stronghold. Now Samuel died, and all Israel gathered for his funeral. They buried him at his house in Ramah. Then David moved down to the wilderness of Mon. There was a wealthy man from Mon who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and it was a sheep-shearing time. This man's name was Nabal, and his wife, Abigail, was a sensible and beautiful woman. But Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, was crude and mean in all his dealings. When David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, he sent ten of his young men to Carmel with a message for Nabal. Peace and prosperity to you, your family, and everything you own. I am told that it is sheep shearing time. While your shepherds stayed among us near Carmel, we never harmed them and nothing was ever stolen from them. Ask your men and they will tell you this is true. So would you be kind to us since we have come at a time of celebration? Please share any provisions you might have on hand with us and with your friend David. David's young men gave this message to Nabal in David's name, and they waited for a reply. Who is this fellow David? Nabal sneered to the young men. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I've slaughtered for my shearers and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? So David's young man returned and told him what Nabal said. Get your swords, was David's reply, as he strapped on his own. Then 400 men started off with David, and 200 remained behind to guard their equipment. Meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants went to Abigail and told her, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screams insults at them. These men have been very good to us, and we never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time they were with us. In fact, day and night, they were like a wall of protection to us and the sheep. You need to know this and figure out what to do, for there is going to be trouble for our own master and his whole family. He's so ill-tempered that no one can even talk to him. Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 fig cakes. She packed them on the donkeys and said to her servants, Go on ahead, I will follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband Nabal what she was doing. As she was riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, she saw David and his men coming toward her. David had just been saying, A lot of good it did to help uh, this fellow. We protected his flocks in the wilderness, and nothing he owned was lost or stolen, but he repaid evil for good. May God strike me and kill me, even if one man in his household is still alive tomorrow morning. 
When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed low before him. She fell at his feet and said, I accept all blame in this matter, my lord. Please listen to what I have to say. I know Nabal is wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay any attention to him. He's a fool, just as his name suggests. But I never even saw the young man you sent. Now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be cursed as Nabal is. And here is a present that I, your servant, have brought to you and your young men. Please forgive me if I have offended you in any way. The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty, for you are fighting the Lord's battles, and you have not done wrong throughout your entire life. Even when you are chased by those who seek to kill you, your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasure pouch." But the lives of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. When the Lord has done all he promised and has made you leader of Israel, don't let this be a blemish on your record. Then your conscience won't have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. And when the Lord has done these great things for you, please remember me, your servant. David replied to Abigail, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. Then David accepted her present and told her, Return home in peace. I have heard what you said. We will not kill your husband. When Abigail arrived home, she found that Nabal was throwing a big party and was celebrating like a king. He was very drunk, so she didn't tell him anything about her meeting with David until dawn the next day. In the morning, when Nabal was sober, his wife told him what had happened. As a result, he had a stroke, and he lay paralyzed on his bed like a stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck him, and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Praise the Lord who has avenged the insult I received from Nabal and has kept me from doing it myself. Nabal has received the punishment for his sin. Then David sent messengers to Abigail to ask her to become his wife. When the messengers arrived at Carmel, they told Abigail, David has sent us to take you back to marry him. She bowed low to the ground and responded, I, your servant, would be happy to marry David. I would even be willing to become a slave, washing the feet of servants. Quickly getting ready, she took along five of her servant girls as attendants, mounted her donkey, and went with David's messengers. And so she became his wife. David also married Ahinoam from Jezreel, making both of them his wives. Saul, meanwhile, had given his daughter, Michael, David's wife, to a man from Galim named Palti, son of Laish. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcast at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you, and if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.